Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. As always, I'm Joey, and we are recording the last episode in September. We are approaching a spooky season, um, as it's, I believe, legally known now. Spooky season, October. Um, joined here by uh, Count Miles. Oh! <laughs> nice. See, weren't you in a vampire movie? Yeah, I was both a victim of and a perpetrator of vampirism. And did you do that voice? Uh, I can't remember what voice I did. I think I was doing like a Ron Swanson kind of thing. It half worked. Okay. I was curious what your what your vampire would be. I forgot the name of the movie. I was, I, otherwise, I would have said it accurately. I only hear you mean, you mean the movie years. that I mentioned literally every episode of this podcast in my sign-off? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, do you want to know the inaccurate titles that I thought of in my head real quick? As I was like, shit, I don't remember the title. Go ahead. I was, there was How to Talk to a Vampire. Oh, no. Um, I actually literally thought Dracula Dead and Loving It. Uh, <laughs> Steve, you got, a, you, got, you got an incorrect one? Uh, Steve's also here. Uh, Dracula 2? Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> all, it's always. It'd be, it'd be bloody, bloody Boogaloo. It's it's that uh, or or two like, two blood two you know two it's got to it, those are the two uh, number two films two fangs two furious duh there you go two fangs there you go there we go uh, uh, Steve's monster is here as well monster there we go <laughs> I mean will anyone know the difference all right Miles you can correct me now <laughs> oh yeah it's once upon a Dracula and you can there find you it go. on YouTube under Chase Capo. And if you forgot about that, in about uh, 90 minutes, you'll hear it again. Uh, which is funny, because we're actually on the clock with a with a potential surprise guest. What? Oh, we'll so, see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, there, there's something on my mind, and someone might be joining us to hopefully concur with me. I would I suspect that'll be the case, whether it happens or not. Um, so, yeah, we are going to talk about some award shit, because, you know, it's ostensibly what we do here. Um, since category placement news has started to come out, a couple of interesting uh, acquisitions. Um, Miles caught up on a bunch of movies. Steve has caught up on, actually jumped Miles on a uh, awards movie. We have an awards-related game. We have some questions. And uh, we're going to kick off by announcing what we're going to be doing next month. Um, Miles, would you like to take this away? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So anyone who's been with the site for a while will know that every uh, October uh, I make it my mission to watch uh, a new movie every day for all 31 days of October. Uh, and then I do an article about it. And it's so long. And I know of two people who have read them in their entirety. But uh, yeah, that's three. my tradition. Uh, yeah, maybe three. Uh, so yeah, it's 31 days of Halloween, and uh, we decided to bring it to the pod a little bit. Uh, so what we're going to do is each week in October, uh, we have pre-selected a film from my list that uh, we're all going to make sure we watch and uh, discuss as we go along. Yep. So we uh, we each selected one, and then we uh, did you get the last one, or because I don't think I picked two. Oh, we agreed on one of them, right? We it just kind of became obvious the other one. We each chose one, and then one needed to fit a specific criteria. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, we're going to start next week, right, with it? Yeah, uh, yeah next week. Yeah. So we're going to have 
the episode on the 6th, the 13th, the 20th, and the 27th. And uh, we are each going to have watched the film, or in most cases, revisited the film. And it will be a, uh, a segment. And uh, yeah, feel free to chime in and watch along. So we're going to tell you guys a week early. So, uh, Miles, you want to reveal the inaugural October horror discussion title? Uh, Better name to be determined. Yes. So the first film we're going to talk about next week is one I'm super excited about, uh, which is Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat, uh, which is especially noteworthy this year because it is actually coming to theaters for the first time ever. Uh, So if you want to check that out and then join us for that episode, uh, definitely write in with any thoughts, comments, questions, whatever about Trick or Treat and we'll get into it. Yep, notably uh, sat on the shelf for a while as one of it was it was in that run of there were a couple of movies that were apparently good but never coming out. The uh, Cabin in the Woods, the Trick or Treats, the, the Margarettes of the World. Remember that weird run where there was like good movies that were just, oh, you can't see them. No, it was it was a rough time for thinking outside the box horror. But I'm so glad yeah. that movies like that got to come out because I think as a result of that, you get stuff like Malignant or Barbarian today where you can get a good release for the most part and still like be kind of off the walls crazy. Totally. Um, so, yeah, check your uh, your local theater. October 6th, the episode, I believe, goes up. Or is that later? When do we, do we record on the 6th? I think it goes up Probably. on the 6th. Yes. Okay. So on the sixth, you will hear us talk about trick or treat, and then in the uh, should we tell them everything or should we make them wait? Uh, let's reveal it each week. I think that's fun. Okay. All right. Yeah. So our first title, trick or treat, and uh, more to be uh, revealed soon. Um, in the meantime, let's uh, let's hop to a question. Ryan McDermott asks us, "Film Hawk Faceoffs preferred recent wins for best visual effects." which uh, may, in fact, t- tie into something Miles went and got and saw. Oh, there you go. And speaking of Avatar or Inception. Avatar or Inception. Okay, so, I mean, I guess we sort of play it by ear with everyone, but are we going off of quality of movie or quality of effects? Uh, you know, let's, let's go effects this time. Okay. Just to see if that changes the answer. Okay, because I think in some cases it would. So Avatar Inception, Ah, see, well, that this is actually a pretty perfect example because spoiler alert, I did see the Avatar re-release in IMAX 3D, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But as far as the film itself and especially the effects, it's kind of shocking how much they hold up for how Mm. digital they are and how bad even stuff that came out this year can look. Um, But Inception... ah, I, I respect what it's doing because it's so practically motivated and like it's it's being used in a very imaginative way. <sighs> I think movie <laughs> I go Inception, but effects I go Avatar. That's about right. Um, interestingly, I, I think it is a common occurrence. And then Steve, you can talk to this when you give your pick. When a movie has especially good visual effects that don't seem like, oh, this is just the current trend done well. They hold up longer. Like, I don't know when the last time either of you watched Jurassic Park is, but those effects work. I was going to say, that's that's the one that comes up, comes to mind. Well, well, what's fucking wild about that is I rewatched the first Jurassic Park just before watching Dominion earlier this year. And it's shocking how much the original 1993 film looks so superior to the one that just came out. 
Yeah, because they're they're also they're trying to do different things, and I and I I get why you, you know, whatever the latest uh, computer update is on the uh, visual effects program, because they look, you know, the the definition is higher, all these things, but they never look real. Yeah, it's the same problem I had with the um, the apes movies. You know, I everyone loved them, and I thought they were fine, but they always I never didn't think I was watching ones and zeros talking to each other, as good as they looked. Whereas, you know, that some of the scenes with, with dinosaurs in the original Jurassic Park, you you would believe they were a dinosaur. They don't look better. They just look more tactile, I guess, is the well, word I want. You know what it is? It's like it's a suspension of disbelief, but also it's the lack yeah. of their, thereof. You, you kind of forget that you're watching, you know, like you said, numbers, you know, zeros and ones or puppetry or anything. Where a lot of films, you are, you're always aware. You're always... Like maybe yeah. thinking about, oh, I, you know, this is cool how they did that. Instead of being so invested in the film or the characters or the moment, where Jurassic Park, well, especially the first time I saw yeah. it, you, you know, the, the theater was completely wrapped up in that film, and that doesn't happen a lot. Well, the movie also, the movie is doing that. Avatar, you know, even if you don't like Avatar, Avatar is paying close attention to the effects, so you look at them and admire them. Yeah, there's, you know, many a scene seems designed to be like. Look what we did. Whereas even the newest, most modern, you know, effects-driven <clears throat> extravaganza, I wouldn't say hides them, but definitely doesn't want you to look too, too closely. Uh, you know, I don't have any issue with the Marvel movies the way they look, but I know people, you know, will always be like, oh, these movies look like shit. If you freeze a frame and focus in, you know, they're they're supposed to be enjoyed in the moment, and that's kind of it. Yeah. Also, uh, Steve, make your pick, Avatar or Inception. Inception. Cool. Um, I'm with Miles, I guess. Yeah, Avatar, visual effects for sure. Inception as a movie, I guess. I, I, I They're both fine. I, I'm not as big as either. I'm not as big on either as, as most people are. But I have less complaints about them, I guess. Uh, I mean, Avatar um, is a, a film that, I don't know, say six months ago, a friend and I were talking and said... I, we knew the sequels were coming out, and the question was, who still talks about Avatar other than if, if it had a, well, a, a $20, $20 million box office, would it be in the conversation at all? I don't think so. I think it's very reliant on its effects. Its story is you know, pretty common, and if you strip away the effects, you're definitely not talking about it. What, you'd already seen, uh, you'd already seen Dances with Fern Gully? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steve, I completely yeah. agree with you. I think it's always been a movie where it's about the presentation, it's about mm -hmm. the world building, it's about this the uh, you know the bounds and visual effects at the time. The story is very secondary and very derivative of other things. The only thing I'll say, and we'll get more into this uh, when we do Avatar talk, but um, the one thing that I think coming back to it, I was a little surprised by is that yeah, the story is very obvious, but it's surprisingly earnest. It's like it is playing itself seriously. It is like it's silly stuff, but it believes in him. And I think that goes well, that's, for a lot. But that's, what, Cameron. We'll, that's Cameron. That's Cameron, exactly. It, it's Cameron, very hard Cameron on believes, its sleeve in a good yeah. way. I mean, that was that was Titanic. Titanic is is Yeah. You better get swept up in this because I sure am. Um no, he's yeah, good. But yeah, that. all right. Yeah. We'll come back to Avatar in a few minutes. So next one, uh Hugo or Ex Machina? Uh, mm. 
So speaking of 3D with Avatar, I think Hugo is one of the few films that really made that effect work in the theater. Um, So many of them, it's just like a weird pop-up book effect, but that was one where like shots were composed around it. And so I think that's pretty great. However, Ex Machina in many ways is more impressive because they had less to work with. And considering they've got like a CGI character through much of it, that it's actually more impressive. So I think I'm going to go with Ex Machina. Cool. I'm going to Ex Machina. Uh, I, I like both. But if I wanted to sit down and watch one again, I think that one, especially the time of year, Ex Machina is in tune with my uh, current cinematic choices yeah I, I i'm i was a little lukewarm on ex machina but hugo so i would probably revisit ex machina a lot more willingly than hugo even though i think i like hugo better because i don't know that i'm getting anything new out of hugo also to what miles said like i saw it in 3d i did it i saw it i don't know that like sitting at home and watching hugo would would give me a ton so uh hugo affects ex machina movie Life of Pi or The Jungle Book? Oh. Yeah, Who's got worse. the better CGI tigers? Oh, wait. Which one? The Jungle yeah, right. Book, the animated, or Jungle Book, the 3D animated? No, no. The, the, well, the John Favreau yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Favreau. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the one with visual effects. Uh, well, their visual uh, effects um, in the 1950s, I yeah, the one that wasn't uh, artists carefully painting the image beautifully. The okay. one that was That's still a visual you know, effect. Overworked, overworked people being in the middle of crunch doing this. Okay, well, then that decision's much easier. There you go. Uh, my brain automatically think, when he, when you talk the Jungle Book, it's one of my all time favorite animations. So, yeah, because nobody thinks of the Jungle Book or the Lion King. Yeah, uh, I would go with the Jungle Book for both movie and effects. Life of Pi is, like, interesting and has some sort of spectacular moments, but Jungle Book is just so much more impressive as an overall, I think. Yeah, spoiler alert, I'm going to do the same. I don't like Life of Pi for reasons I've, I've said several times. But in short, don't have your character say, I'm going to tell you a story to make you believe in God and then tell me a mediocre story. Like, you have oversold your story, sir. Well, I proclaim my love for the original Jungle Book. And because of that, um, any remake is unnecessary, so I'm going to go with the Life of Pi, which I actually did enjoy. Mm. Uh, is it? It's it's got it's, it's definitely has its flaws, but the cinematography also that's one thing I really loved about it, and the intensity. Sure, I'm not a big boat fan, so the intensity of being on a boat that's sinking while animals are like f- running around you in terror is mm. about as terrifying Very as much can be. Thing. So. That worked. Yeah. Uh, little little known fact, uh, Steve uh, co-wrote the song Boats and Hose. <laughs> that was supposed to remain a little known fact. The royalties. Well, I mean, listen. Yeah. Well, wait, wait. You don't get royalties if people know you did it? Wouldn't that be the opposite? <laughs> it's, part, it's part of my... It's, it's in the contract. I was a ghostwriter. Okay. Not anymore. Uh, all right. Fair enough. Sorry, kids. No I, college. Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Eh, school of, school of life. Uh, gravity or interstellar? Um, Who does space better? I think I would say interstellar movie, but gravity effects. I think gravity is the other one of the major movies to do 3D well. And that was a I pretty agree. visceral experience. 
but as a movie, you kind of get the similar to Hugo in a way. You get the ride with it, and then you're kind of done with it. Whereas, yeah, you're never going to watch Gravity on TV. Randomly. Yeah. Whereas Interstellar, I have my problems with it, especially the last like 30 minutes, but I'd still think there's more value in revisiting that one. I still need to revisit that one. I love that. I know so you're scared to because terrified. it's not going to be nearly as good as you remember. Yeah. This is going to be one of those things where we're, we're going to have to make each other watch things. That'll be the one you guys have to make me watch, I guess. Well, yeah, you'll rewatch Interstellar and I'll rewatch or I'll finally watch The Father, right? Yeah. So the funny story. So on the um, the video game podcast that I listen to, Get Played, formerly uh, How Did This Get Played? Mm. They uh, they used to do How Did This Get Slayed for October. They would do horror horror games for the month. But this month they're going to make each other play games they hate or like that they don't want to play. Okay. And it's we could actually we could do that in a way. But yeah, so the guy one guy is. uh, doesn't like scary games so they're making him play the vr version of blair witch okay which is for comedy purposes amazing the other guy um doesn't like first person shooters and doesn't like multiplayer games so he has to play fortnite oh okay like on on mic so his joke was like yeah i'm gonna be on hey it's my first time i'm a 42 year old man (laughs) um and the other person hates puzzles so she has to play leisure suit larry like one of the many versions of that game Oh. They did a couple of them, so they have to continue playing that game, that series. I was like, "Oh, we can we can make this work." Leisure um, Suit Larry. There's a name I haven't heard in quite a while. Whatever. Yeah, well, I'm butchering uh, a Star Wars quote. Steve, Steve, Steve's planning the uh, the remake. Actually, the, the the movie version. Well, I have to do oh I have God, to do something now that the, I've lost my royalties. Mem- yeah, remember when I remember when we were designing those uh, those movies and I was fucking your movies up when you got questions wrong. I really should have turned one of your movies into Leisure Suit Larry. Gosh. It's such a deep cut, though. Like, who talks about Leisure Suit Larry besides, like, us? Yeah, I was about to say. (laughs) Middle-aged men who were horny teenagers when the game came out. That's that's. I never even played a Leisure Suit Larry game. I only know them via, like, social context. Same here. I I I know them from... I know the cover. I never played one. I liked... So I liked, like, you know, LucasArts you know, point and click stuff, but never, I was much more of the Indiana Jones guy, um, or like Sam and Max hit the road full. Sure. Sure. Games. But the, uh, I think I, I used to get PC gamer and they would always review it. And it would always get like a two or something like that. And you'd be like, wait, but this has maybe like boobs in it. Shouldn't I be like into this? I <laughs> like young me couldn't comprehend like, but, but boobs means good. Right. Apparently not. Like we, we listen. We've seen movie 43. <laughs> Doesn't mean good. Um, Steve, Interstellar or Gravity? Because I, I agree with Miles. Gravity. Gravity, Gravity, Gravity. I love the visuals. Both. I mean, I love the visual effects. I mean, I, I think it's one of the uh, most immersive, most effective in theater use of visual effects. And that's the thing that is uh, where the flaw is because I have watched it on a 3D TV. It's nowhere close to the same. So... In theater, gravity. I actually, I, I enjoy the story of gravity quite a bit, but the 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 the, the, the uh, distance between one and the other on story, on, on like on that aspect of it, is much closer. But visual effects, uh, all gravity. I mean, I, again, this goes back to the similar <clears throat> to the. The, the I'm not a big fan of boats. I don't like being isolated in spaces where you can't 
like control yourself. You can't get back. And that's what space and water are to me often. And uh, gravity scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh my, you know, it's just like that, that half inch of like those fingers grasping to touch each other. And if, if they, if they do, you're, you live, if you don't, you're floating till you die in space. That's a, that's horror. So, um, two more Blade Runner 2049 or Dune. Um, this is close. Cause Dune looks fucking beautiful. Um, that said, both movie and effects, I go Blade Runner 2049. I think that is one of the most visually compelling movies ever made. Yeah, hard to argue. I I, I don't feel a keen need to revisit either, but it's not for lack of like having a fulfilling time. They're just dense, not always fun watches. Intentionally, they're, they're taking it very seriously. But, but yeah, I, th- I think... I think I heard someone say that they thought that maybe 2049 might have like the best visual effects ever just in terms of like VFX, the integration with the cinematography, mm-hmm. the specific like, I mean, I, that's being I used. certainly feel that way. It's definitely on, yeah. it's on the list. Maybe it was you. <laughs> might've been you. Um, if so, credit to you. If not, stop stealing someone else's idea. <laughs> or incepting my idea in your mind weeks ago or oh, whenever yeah, well, I said it. Um, there we go. That's probably what it was. Damn you, Nolan. Um, I agree. All right, Steve. I agree. Um, it's it's one of I, I I agree with everything you said before this. It's uh, visually, I think it's one of the most seamless. Blade Runner was known for its visual effects and for its art direction, yeah, the skyline, and creating the, that the yeah, making, creating the a new world, their town, the city. And it's a challenge to take a film like that and what is it, thirty or forty years later come back in and still wow people. And I think it did that. And it also actually, I think it, it, it upped, it raised the bar. Um, of course, I don't know what it was like to watch Blade Runner when it first came out, but what they did, I think again, is, is the seamlessness of it. And, uh, at the same time delivered a story that I was completely, uh, wrapped up in from beginning to end. So, which I liked more than the, the prequel or the original. So. Agreed. Finally. 1917 or First Man? Wait, these both won? I, yeah. Did First Man win? How I did I not remember that? I think it might have been the only Oscar won. Well, well, as That's you so talk about weird. it. What did okay. it beat? Cause I me- well, remember, because First Man... Fell off the face of the earth, Oscar-wise. Yeah. I guess the face of the moon. Yeah, that's um, why I'm surprised. Well, because if you remember... Well, and also because it it's the, like, it's got special effects, but like... It, it, I think it won like... did It, it might have won a second. Because it got four nominations at the end of the day. Because if you remember, it notably missed cinematography. Yeah. And like editing and stuff. So it, it won visual effects. It lost both sounds when there were two sounds. And production design, visual effects, it beat, um, I want to say Black Panther. Fair. Uh, no, Black Panther wasn't nominated. It beat Infinity War. Okay. Christopher Robin. <laughs> okay. Ready Player One. Okay. And Solo. I mean, weak year yeah. for sure, but even still. Yeah, the, 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 
also wild that Black Panther didn't get in when it was a Best Picture nominee. True, but also, have you seen, like, the fight they have on the train tracks at the end of that movie? Yeah. I love Black yeah, no, Panther, that... but th- from a visual effects standpoint, that is, like, one of the roughest things that's ever been in Oh, no, no, they, they clearly ran out of money. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, that, 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 was... Was a, that was a rush job. And I think, like, the people involved have admitted as much since, but yeah, it's, I think it it's was, just so... It's way more important that we finish these other 17 things that hopefully you care enough about what's going on that you'll forgive us. And the answer was, yeah, pretty much. What if yeah. that was the difference between it winning best picture? And... We have green book because of that. Yeah. They go, well, you know what? You, you lost 10 votes and that was it. The green idea that Ryan, it was, between, Ryan... the idea that it was between black Panther and green book is like st- surreal to me. I mean, it's still, I mean, it wasn't, but it was essentially to some degree between Green Book, Roma, and Black Klansman. So, like, it still was a wildly divergent choice. But if that was true, if if having the skimp on that is what cost them beating Green Book and winning Best Picture, then in a related alternate universe story, uh, Steve, Ryan Coogler just hung himself. Oh, so, oh, you have that on your conscience. Uh, hey, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't vote. I'm just saying. It's, <laughs> imagine You it. didn't vote? They could have used your vote. No, I, I lost it after they found out I was a writer, a ghostwriter on that song. So you're not even in the uh, in the writers branch anymore. <laughs> I'm out of the I'm I'm out of the academy as a whole. Oh God, this is this is going really poorly for yeah, you. Yeah, it's not a good week. <laughs> and and it's, it's not even once upon a Dracula, once upon a Steve. Jesus. All right, did we actually answer our question? I don't know. No, we talked about whether or not it was eligible instead. <laughs> we, we managed to go on like wildly man. different tangents for every one of these. I'm impressed with us. Yeah, we're we're on the first segment. <laughs> it's going to be another long one, sh- folks. Strap in. We're not talking yeah, about have, enough uh, for it to be a long episode, but it's going to be. <laughs> and I've got an early NYFF screening, and I have to write my Amsterdam review. And and Steve has to edit this. This is great. Yeah. This is fantastic. Yeah. Um, 1917 or First Man, for the love of God. Give oh, okay. No, I never even answered this. We got on, because I couldn't believe that First Man won. Um, I'm well, going 1917. It's an amazing techno- technical achievement. Uh, first Man, I don't know. I, the the special effects are not what I remember about it. Fair. Steve? First Man, if you know the history or the story behind it, the technology they use, I think that's part of the story that they use LED screens rather than blue screen and all this, you know, the, the standard effects. Um, oh, so it's like early volume stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that's where the, I think, and that's what, if you watch uh, The Mandalorian, I believe that's what they've adapted. And I think that's yeah. kind of the standard now, uh, at least with... I think I think if you watch The Bake Off, it really helped First Man. Yes, yes. Um, and 1917, although very impressive, it did have that one shot, that one scene that broke... You know, uh, that you know that woke you up and said, "Wait a just second. One scene, the movie. Yeah, it's a one. It's where the it's no. I know what you're. Ha ha. Uh, no, where he dives off the. Was it a waterfall or something? Yeah, the waterfall. And yeah, then you go that's... up and like I, I'm not. You lost me. And like you cut that out and it and it's, it's pretty seamless. That one well, I mean, shot you can, becomes. No, I think. I think that there's a couple of scenes you can you can tell where the scenes are, where well, the cuts are. They they didn't. Oh no no no. I, well. You can tell where the cuts are, but that looked like cgi or it, there was something off and i had watched it several times and i'm like nah so fair i uh it's kind of a push on the effects but uh, film wise it's definitely first man i'm i'm not a huge 1917 fan 
it's fine. It's just like it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick yeah. in in search of a movie. Um, and it's a good gimmick, like it works. Even though they say it's not a gimmick, it, it kind of is a gimmick. You know, you know who always says it's not a gimmick? People who have made a gimmick. Yeah, exactly. But it's I mean, still, it's nothing, nothing against it. I mean, I, I would, yeah, I guess I'm on the other side because both as a movie and effects. 1917, I found very, you know, it's not anything deep or profound, but it is exhilarating moment to moment. First Man completely bounced off me. My problem with 1917 is I knew how it was going to end. Like there wasn't I'm like, okay, so it didn't, it didn't have the intensity I mean, that you, you would you expect. Didn't know how first man you didn't know end? how first man was going to end. I was about right, to say, but it wasn't, but it wasn't built. It wasn't built on that. It wasn't racing toward the finish line. It, and actually still, even though I did know how it was going to end, it was still intense. I, and that's the thing. So going into the film, I didn't know much about the war, but I'm like, okay, well they killed, well, spoiler, they killed off one of them. They're not going to kill off both. So let's, and then also they use in the, in, which I don't like trailers in the trailer. They used one of the biggest scenes in the film. Oh no, they, they have the money shot in the yeah, trailer. That exactly. is, that is, I, I agree with you there. That's awful. Which is why I avoid trailers. I'm like, because I, you have that visual memory and like, oh, I saw this. Okay. And then you start piecing things together. So there you go. It never, it never worked at me at the level. I do respect it. There's a lot of it that's great. As a whole, it just never, the, the meter never hit ten. It's always around seven or eight at the highest. So, fair enough. All right. Um, remember when we were talking about Avatar? I remember. Well, let's talk about Avatar. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, Avatar. So I saw the Avatar re-release. Uh, in IMAX and 3D, um, I, I mean, listen, it's a big, bold, beautiful movie. This is the intended way to see it. So I knew if I was going to rewatch it before the new one, this was the move. Wait, quick uh, side note. Had, had Did Kelly come and had she seen it before? She saw it in theaters when it came out. Okay. She, uh, well, okay. So Avatar has always been the movie where like, it's amazing to see it in the theater, but then I saw it a year later on a laptop and it's like, oh, okay, without the, the visual spectacle, you know, this is the stupidest Dance. movie ever made. Um, Dances with Fern Gully. Dances with Fern Gully, exactly. Aliens with wolves, whatever, however you want to do it. Um, yeah. But um, I think coming back to it, it's not like it's a simple story, but it's an earnest story. And, yeah. you know, the, the passion behind it does fuel a lot of it. It's way too fucking long still. It feels its is it, length. It's, it, <clears throat> is it three hours or is it close to three hours? It's two hours and 40, which is interesting because I stuff even this year, the Batman RRR are both longer, but they don't feel their length nearly as much as this one does, which, yeah. you know, I, I think it's held up for the most part. The effects are still dazzling. And I think it is. It's made as a movie to be experienced in the theater. It's not necessarily made for the longevity of being able to watch it on TV unless you've got like a really nice setup. It is made for that, you know, experience. And clearly it works for people considering it's the most successful film of all time. Um, but I do want to touch on the technical things, especially because I'm a little concerned about them going into Avatar 2. Uh, this is a did he, did he clean anything up for this one or is it just a re-release it, it's a remaster and um he's okay. clearly changed the frame rate in certain shots uh to make them flow bre better because 
we all know that the 48 frames per second looks fucking horrendous in something like The Hobbit, but the working theory behind it was that it was supposed to make 3D look smoother. And it does. And I think what they've done here and what I've heard they're doing with The Way of Water is that they are doing it on a shot by shot basis now, rather than just putting this effect over the whole movie, they're doing it with certain shots, you know, presumably to make action flow better and stuff like that, which seems... he didn't do uh, 120 frames like Ang Lee. Yeah, ugh, I don't even want to I... make me throw Wait, did up. you ever see it that way? No, because... Did you see Billy it, Lynn that way? I, oh. I, I saw a trailer for it that, like, they had rigged up to look like it, and that was more than enough. I, I saw it. Oh. New York Film Festival. And, boy, did I have a mild headache afterwards. No, that's how, oh, so that's the, that's what I was about to get to. So IMAX, this thing looks spectacular. It's made for the big screen, yada, yada, yada. Do we have to bring back the 3D glasses? Because I fucking hate the 3D glasses. I don't want to be that guy, but it makes it physically painful to watch the movie. And ultimately, yep. you're getting a darker, blurrier version of the movie and paying extra for the privilege. So, like... I, I really hope there's IMAX 2D options available. That's all I'll say. Because I, I don't care if it's the intended way to watch it. It's just uncomfortable. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I I remember liking it just fine, but also not caring a ton afterwards. I, I, there were so many other films that year that I got into. Well, but... even in James Cameron's own filmography, it doesn't stick with you nearly as much as like, aliens or t2 or true lies or some of his best ones which again you 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 hit on something simplicity like he doesn't tell a complicated story with any of his movies like you know the the movies he was a part of that got complicated got complicated after him you can pretty easily summarize his movies you know we we joke about what avatar is about but it's a pretty easy summary even like aliens at its core, it's a it's it's a woman protecting a, essentially a daughter, in a in a you know with an onslaught of an enemy. You know, yeah. Even like true true lies could be maybe the most complicated movie. It is still like he's pretending he's not a secret agent when he's a secret agent. There's a guy trying to blow up the world. Like it's still pretty easy. So it's oddly a strength that he's not a super complicated writer. Yeah. Um, quickly, some of the other things that you saw besides a 20-year-old movie. Uh, so I did see some new stuff that I can touch on real quick. Um, I saw the David Bowie documentary Moon Age Daydream, uh, I which I thought was good. It's like very, you know, visually spectacular, much more abstract and meditative than, you know, your traditional documentary format. But it does a good job of making you feel like you're getting to know him and getting to understand both his personal journey and his artistic journey. And because he is such a fascinating subject matter, that pretty much holds. I do think because it chooses such a specific and deliberate style, it does maybe start to run a little long just towards the end. And it doesn't quite find like a natural stopping point. But I do think if you're into Bowie at all, it's absolutely worth seeing especially on the big screen should you have gummies beforehand <laughs> uh can neither confirm nor deny all right i uh i watched it at home it's too long like everything else this year but um i i liked it i was actually trying to look this up right now did they have 
they had the rights in a way that like the uh, that the like the biopic last year didn't. So the family's involved, right? Yeah, it, it had their sort of seal of approval. Yeah, because it's. I think they, they might have even advertised it that way at one point. It's possible because they because some of the some of the footage they have is like family home movies type thing. Oh yeah, it's very uh, like it's you get some very intimate stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it gives you more information about him than you were getting from other material. It's still like he's still somewhat unknowable because. So much oh, yeah, but I think the movie that. knows that going in, and so they're just trying to sort of, you know, chip away at it, find what they can find. But there's still, oh, yeah. like, you could do two or three more documentaries in this style and use completely different stuff and tell completely different stories. For sure. It ran out of steam for me a little bit was the thing. That, the end, I, I would like, agree with that. But as a as an experiment, it's not an experiment because it's definitely successful, but as, if it's, like... I think I actually I actually saw someone's review. I think it was on Rotten Tomatoes where they're like, "It's not a more of a movie; it's more just like a vibe," and that's a very good description of it. Like, yeah. it's just you want to kind of have like a Bowie vibe for two hours, and and yeah, why not? Yeah, I would say really my only criticism is I would have preferred the Bowie vibe for ninety minutes. Oh yeah, no, like I actually was gonna say like if this was a short documentary, like about a half hour or so of just like a couple of songs and a couple of glimpses of him. I'd be like, give me like six of these, like break them up. Well, and and that's like, that's like whole f- the Netflix trick, isn't it? <laughs> Just take a movie. I mean, listen, chop it up. <laughs> not a bad idea with this one. I don't but disagree. As a general rule, you don't want that with everything. All right. What else? Uh, and then the other big thing at your insistence is yes. that uh, I saw Don't Worry, Darling. And I, uh, I know. <laughs> Go ahead. It's... um. It's, it's one of those bad. movies where it's got high highs and low lows, so it kind of averages out to being just fine. Um, it's very well made. The production design, costume design, like the world that is created is very strong and feels lived in. Uh, the actors are, for the most part, very good. Florence Pugh in particular is amazing as she always is. Chris Pine gives a spectacular villainous performance. I think the movie would have benefited from a few more scenes with him. Oh, it's a it's a huge crime that they only get one like face off scene, essentially. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's been in the trailers. It's the the dinner scene where they're sort of like playing mind games with each other. Essentially, that's the best part of the movie. And sure, like, like it should have been... been about their dynamic. But he kind of gets weirdly sidelined towards the end before he gets weirdly something else later on that makes even less sense yeah uh harry i've heard people say harry styles is like atrociously bad i don't think it's like that i think he's competent for the most part i think there are scenes where he does kind of struggle to hit certain emotions that can kind of be chalked up very little well he's asked to do very little except for when there are scenes where if somebody was giving more then the scene would work a little better because I don't know if we want to get into spoilers, but there's a twist at the end of this movie that is just snookalooky banana sandwich bonkers. Just like, but not in a good way though. Not well, it could have been in a good way. I mean, you can see on paper why they thought this was a good idea. Like why they would give it money, why Olivia Wilde would be attracted to it, all this kind of stuff. Except that every – I've never seen a movie, maybe ever, with so many red herrings that don't pay off. What well, with so many things that, like, you look back – it's very much a refrigerator movie, by which I mean, yeah. you know, something where, like, 
you can kind of follow along with it in your mom in the moment, and you're like, okay, I, I pretty much get the gist there. And then you go home and you open your refrigerator and you go, wait a minute, I forgot yeah. to buy milk. But also, what was going on with the plane? Well, and <laughs> so really interesting was I pulled up a couple of articles. Because and actually, I think Kyle Buchanan like just tweeted that he was like, "Wait, what was the deal with the plane?" And I pulled up several articles. So I was curious, you know, Screen Crush and some of these articles, like Matt Singer always do. Like, we answered your questions about Inception, about Tenet, about yeah. So they did one for this, and I would say of the like ten or twelve questions, nine of them were like, "We don't fucking know." Like <laughs> the movie didn't tell us. Like the plane doesn't pay off. We're like, contractually obligated to do this article, regardless of whether we actually have answers for you. Yeah, like, like I would say, with maybe one or two exceptions, every single, like, weird, odd, like, oh, something is amiss in this uh, movie, if you ask, well, what? It, how does that pay off? Like, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't make oh, yeah. any sense. Well, not only does later. it not pay off, but the, the movie ends with what feels like payoffs to subplots that we never had. Yes. Like, Without giving anything away, to murder people. Yeah, well, without going into specifics, it's sort of framed like because of Florence Pugh's actions, it's going to lead to this sort of mass change in behavior from from all the wives. But like, none of them went on that same journey. None of them had the same revelations that she had. So it just it comes out of nowhere. One character like. One character says they know what's going on, but is cool with it. Where you're like, okay, that doesn't track with anything else. Another character does something completely out of character with everything else they've been doing in the film, ostensibly for a like for their own benefit. But given what we now know about the victory, you're like, well, well, this place is done. <laughs> like you're gonna be you're gonna be in charge for twenty minutes. Well, like, yeah, it, it, I, it's not even clear if that's the motivation. It's just, it's so Well, they have abrupt. that weird line of, like, my turn. You're like, your turn to do what? Like, well, like what? But exactly. I don't know if that was just, like, referring to their own like relationship tra- dynamic. It's or like I a don't trailer know. line that's not in the trailer. Yeah. Well, and a lot of the trailer lines don't really play well in context either. No. There's, there's so many things that make no sense. Like, can you tell me what the thing with the eggs is? Oh, no idea. No idea. No, like in the um, moment, because even the problem is even in the moment you start to be like, well, wait, well, why would that be the case? Like it just like because there there is a misdirect going on in the movie, but then they fuck their misdirect up by every time they, they do the something's wrong here. It doesn't fit with what they're trying to misdirect you towards. Well, exactly. It's not like they're leaving you like bread cu- breadcrumbs along the way. Breadcrumbs. So that breadcrumbs. Well, I mean, Ugh. I mean, Florence Pugh and Harry Styles have a lot of sex in the movie, so. They might have. Don't eat the bread. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not It's not like they're leaving you a trail of clues so you can sort of figure it out on your own. Like, there's no. nothing in the movie that would lead you to, oh, this is what's going on. Well, isn't it's, the new thing that they talk about, the, like, oh, that char- one character, we don't have to say who, like, got, well, I guess it's pretty common knowledge, but we won't say it if you don't know, got their scenes cut, like, to a large degree, and that's yeah. maybe a reason why you wouldn't. And I'm like, no. No, it wouldn't because their thing still doesn't make sense. No, I know. That's probably the biggest one that doesn't feel like it's resolved or pays off in any way. Beyond the fact that once you realize what's going on, even if you you forgive all the other things we're doing, when you actually just take on face value what is actually going on, you're like, wait, 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 wait. How? How is? How? 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 Like, it, it, this, it's this one of those things where 
it gives you just enough information that you have so many more questions and the movie's just not got any answers for you. It's kind of similar to the way I felt about Us, where they set up this whole world and this whole mythology and they give you just enough about it that like you kind of want it need to understand a little more, but that's where it sort sure. of stops. So Steve, you really want to watch this movie now, right? I well, I do because I <laughs> all I hear are these crazy responses to it it's like someone somewhere there has to be an idea that someone believed in right oh there's there's a lot of ideas just none really competently put forward i mean i'll say this i will say this i went into this expecting to hate it i thought based on all the buzz i'd heard before both reviews and elsewhere it just seemed like oh no this is a misfire it's not gonna work but i i honestly didn't have a bad time watching it no, it, like just, I, it falls I want, apart so completely once it starts to fall apart. Absolutely. It does implode. The moment where it implodes is going to sort of, your mileage may vary, but yeah. there's, it's very watchable. And the actors and the production values, the score is really good. I think Wild directs it pretty well. There's some yeah, crazy no, visuals. There's enough to keep you going, even though it doesn't make any sense. It was. I wanted you to watch it, not because it's a bad movie. No, I think it is more a bad movie than a good movie. But because once it implodes, I feel like your brain would spend overtime just like, wait, what? How? Wait, 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 just stop. Stop Stop for a second. Let me figure this. Oh, you're not going to let me figure this out. Yeah. Like it was the exercise of like, how did you make 20 red herrings with no res? Like you just, did you guys forget to do a resolution? (laughs) This is, it's like you made a different movie. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. So after Booksmart, did Olivia Wilde take on too much? Was she overconfident? Did she bought off more that she can chew at this point? I don't. I or don't is know. it is it somewhere I, so, else? Is a, is yeah. I, I mean, mean as a director, no. Yeah, because she does a good job directing. It doesn't necessarily feel like there was a fumble because the scale is bigger. That's good. No, it was either it was I, either I, the I think writer. Well, apparently they, this was a script that set, was like on the blacklist and kind yeah, of sat this was on the shelf for the while. And it <laughs> and got a like, rewrite. And then Wilde and her book smart co-writer sort of came in and fixed it up. So That's I don't know. I think the issue lies. They just, they couldn't, whatever they wanted to say, they couldn't say it. Like, I know what they want to say, sort of, but none of it is done in a way that is, that is successful. Okay. Well, that's just it. It's it's gaslighting the movie. It's trying to be like get out for white women. Um, and it's you you can kind of see what it's trying to do, but it's doing it in a very clumsy way that ultimately doesn't doesn't pan out successfully. Is there a yeah, way no, that you can see but it, it is but it is it, very watchable. Yeah. Well, that's that's promising to, promising to me because I I don't mind a film that's flawed as long as it's watchable. That nothing's worse than sitting, starting oh, no, a film it's, and it's, ten minutes in. Like, I was never bored while I, I was watching it. What was that? Yeah, no, it's it, you're never bored. You're just okay when it crumbles. You, you, you're you're fascinated is the right word because she's like, well, how? How did you let this happen? Or how did you not realize this was happening? And especially when you, even if you reverse engineer like the twist. You're like, how did you think any of this would tie together? Beyond the, like, logic gaps of, like, without spoiling things, like, wouldn't the police have been involved? And, I mean, that's plenty of movies where where you're like, oh, you just have to pretend that, like, 
things that are essentially crimes go go un, unhandled. But any one thing, just you can't pull at any thread here. It's very accept on my terms and don't think about it. Just watch. And I, I can't do that with this. Uh, anything else that you saw? Uh, I mean, I saw The Dark Knight uh, on the big screen for the first time since 2008. That was pretty cool. I was about to say, let me guess, it's good. It's it's still good. Still a great movie. Excellent. That works. Um, because interestingly, uh, um, Steve uh, has a movie he saw that Miles is very interested in. Yes, Fern Gully 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. No, uh, I have seen The Banshees of Isharan. That's how you pronounce it. And uh, Isharan? Is, it, is, it is the end yeah, silent? I, I believe it's Inishirin or, or Inishirin. I forget uh, which one. They say it in the movie. It, yeah, you know what? It, it, yeah, the end is silent because I, I, I screw up any name I can. Uh, it's my MO. So, yes. The end is silent because Steve didn't want to choose between one. He just decided to take a third wrong answer. I like yeah. that you both have seen this movie, but neither of you can give me a straight answer on how it's pronounced. Because I don't, because I remember, <laughs> don't. I don't remember which way I used to say it because I know I said it the wrong way. So I just went with both. One of my one is right. Steve, cut it. It's the Banshees of Edition. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, yeah, that's the. It, I actually did do that because, like, if you say Banshees with, like as if you're Saoirse Ronan, it sounds really like you're in the movie. Miles, try it. <laughs> it does. Sounds the Banshees good. of Edition. Yeah. Oh, banshees. Wow. Once you, the once banshees. you, once you really, yeah, yeah. It's, there it's you go. Satisfying to say, like as like a mouth mouth feel. It's very satisfying. Mm. Uh, is the movie satisfying, Steve? Uh, the movie is very satisfying. Um, I knew nothing about it going in besides what everyone else knew, the director and the two leads. And that was it. I signed off. I'm like, I, okay, you know what? And Bruges, what I said on the podcast. Pardon me? And what I said on the podcast a couple weeks ago. But uh, I actually probably take my headphones off. So, uh, Did you edit it? I don't listen to every word. I I I, I look. At, uh, we don't have to go into the the. the this is uh, this is why you're not in the editing branch of the academy. Yeah, well, that and my damn song. Um, let, let's continue with this. This is more important. So, um, <laughs> the I, I knew very little, very very little going in, and I, which is the way I like to approach it. I was sold on on the leads. I was sold on the director. Uh, they had a history together. Fantastic. And mm-hmm. from the get-go, uh, I think it pulls you in. I think the writing is so strong. I think this, the writing is... The writing and Colin Farrell's performance are on par. But it's so strong. It literally... I literally wanted to hear like everything they were saying. And just listen, just listen to the characters speak and hear... And just piece it together and listen to where they were going and... Like you got to learn so much about the characters uh, just by their words. You know, not a lot of action, and it's a very small story at first. And that's the thing that surprises me is there's a, a complexity to it. It seems like it's very small. It's in a small, tiny little town on a on an island, I believe. And yes, then it becomes you know more complex, and there's much to it, much more to it. There's actually a little bit of well, more than a little bit of a darkness to it, and. You know, it, it kind of had like a feel like of a like of a myth or something, like some story told, like ah, the old the, the two friends that that no longer are you know that that had a quarrel, 
And as it unfolded, you know, the more wrapped up I got into it, uh, the wilder it got. It didn't lose me at all. It had me, uh, it, it actually pulled me in deeper. I think the acting from top to bottom is excellent. Um, Colin Farrell, as I said, Gleason is great. Brendan Gleason, uh, Barry uh, mm-hmm. Kogan. Is it Ke- Kogan? Keegan? Whatever. Keegan? Keegan? I always say what Keegan. Keegan. I, I like to, whatever it is, I'll pronounce it improperly. You know, the Joker. Yeah. Yes, exactly. As everyone knows, is <laughs> the Joker. Uh, and uh, uh, Carrie Condon. And even the bit players, the, the, the folk of the town, the bartender, the mysterious lady who walks around and mumbles things. Um, it all paints this picture. And oh, which in, in addition to it, the actual cinematography, I think, is beautiful. You know, it's one of those places sure. that you look and you're like, how do you not? make this beautiful but they do such a great job and they also use it to tell the story there's a, a, a yeah, wonderful shot in the middle of the story well, i'm sorry for what ultimately is kind of an ugly story yeah it looks very very beautiful yeah what they yeah there's a, a shot in the maybe in the last third middle third or uh somewhere second half where the visual storytelling there is a fork in the road and yes it's i mean it, you could just you could Put that up on your wall. It's uh, I don't know. There's so much to enjoy about it. I think Colin Farrell though is infectious. Um, his character, his performance is possibly the best of his career. Um, he's like a puppy. He's got this innocence to him. <laughs> he's he's like yeah. you feel bad for him at the same time. You're like you know go away. No no, we're not going for a walk. And he's like oh walk. I'll, I'll go for a walk. And like that's <laughs> that's his persona. Um, if you don't like metaphor, this is not the movie for you. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Everything is a metaphor. What I, I took away from it is probably not what was intended completely by the writer-director, by McDonough, by McDonough um, yeah. which is fine by me. I know that there's plenty of times I've watched films the first time, and like I didn't completely get it. But what I did get, and, and my interpretation, I enjoy uh, I do want to go back and see it again. I do want to to, to figure out exactly what he was trying to say. But from what I took away, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of loved it. I, I, there's there's so much about it that uh, that I appreciated it. And when I when it was over, I was like, you know, I want more. So I, I'm actually planning to go see wow. it again. And uh, there's my take. Well, Miles, you gonna ever see it? I'm gonna see it opening. It's like this is one of the ones I'm st- probably most excited for in the rest of the year. Totally. No, I'm I'm looking forward to our our longer, more in depth discussion in like three weeks. I want to say. Uh, maybe less. I'm pretty sure it's early October, so maybe two weeks. Cool. I think awesome. it's we'll be, we'll October be, we'll 7th, talking right? about. Ooh, nice. Well, hang on. I can I can tell you right now. Day before my birthday. Oh, I have this information. Well, happy birthday! Um, I'll pay for the extra butter on your popcorn. Oh, there thank you, you. That'll all go to my wife. <laughs> well, the uh, the press day is the 10th and the 11th. Well, I'm wrong. So I'm going to probably assume that the movie comes out after that. In addition to not being good with names, <clears throat> I'm movie... not good with dates. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at the press notes. Hang on. Also, by the way, the movie was shot on the on location on Inishamore and Archill Island on the west coast, coast of Ireland. Hmm. There you go. It's, yeah I, it doesn't say in the press notes but give me one second um and then we're going to uh move on from the movies um but 
here. Let me look this up real quick. Uh, Miles, talk about something real quick. Your favorite topic. Oh, something. Great. Yeah. Um, well, we can I'm do a- dead air too, but that's less exciting. Uh, I mean, I'm on Twitter right now and there's a positive early word on the new Hellraiser. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, nice. Yeah. I saw someone, I saw someone mention that like, it's mostly good. They didn't love, uh, that there isn't really like a human villain per se in the same way, or at least not as a notable one. By the well, way, the, the first our, one has a doozy. That's true. By the way, is our, um, what's the status on our potential guest, by the way? Uh, have not heard anything. I know she was pretty tired, so there's a very, there's a very good chance she would rather do next episode rather than tonight. Okay. We can, we can do that. So I'll, I'll quick, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll hold that for next week and I'll say that we were going to have someone on really, you could probably guess who it is, but we'll, we'll leave you in, (laughs) we'll leave you to figure that out. I was going to talk a little bit with someone about, um, the monsters because holy shit, that movie's like bat shit and that it exists Ugh, i i i wasn't i wasn't a fan probably the worst thing i've seen all year but i'm kind of in awe that it exists because it's like perfectly bad if that's a if that's a way to put it um we'll talk more about it next week when when i hope none of you have seen it but it's always possible that some of you have seen it um but I wanted to get to our other question because it leads to the uh, other topic I wanted to bring up. Uh, Kay Flea, 208, says, with Michelle Williams campaigning lead, do you think she could still be nominated in supporting like Lakeith Stanfield? Or could Women Talking get three nominations in supporting like The Godfather Part 2? And if so, what actress from Women Talking has the best shot at that third spot? So this is going to tie into like sort of our, we got some category confirmations, um, including the on the surface, puzzling one of Michelle Williams going lead instead of supporting. Um, I've seen the movie. She is is the prime female component of the film, but it's a little bit of a thin lead, but also, you know, I don't like the screen time argument because I could just point you to Anthony Hopkins and that conversation ends. But I do think it's interesting that they made the decision to take her from almost a surefire win to like really in the midst of a competitive actress lineup where there isn't a clear cut front runner. I mean, I could still make the case she, she wins because she has the narrative that no one else has, but I'm pretty sure you would rather be up against a split vote for women talking as opposed to a powerhouse Kate Blanchett performance, a, like well-regarded and ultimately looking to be pretty profitable Viola Davis performance where she didn't win in lead um, to that end, Danielle Deadweiler. Um, I've seen till, I don't know if I can talk about it quite yet, but next week I definitely can. Um, I will say she's very good in the movie. Um, and, and to both of their ends, we still have only had one African-American uh, lead actress winner. So that will continue to be a, a talking point. We don't know if uh, how Margot Robbie is in Babylon. We also don't know if she's going to go lead or supporting. Olivia Coleman certainly gets nominated all the time, and she is uh, sitting there for Empire of Light. Um, who else? Michelle I'm, I'm Yeoh. Say, oh, Michelle Michelle Yeoh. Like, I, I think I think the win maybe is a little further out of reach than people would think. But like getting that nomination after that, all bets are off. And I think it would be very surprising if she didn't get nominated. And that still leaves 
um, Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan from She Said. Um, and then that that doesn't take into account whatever the the precursors push up. So if you were if you were making decisions, I would imagine you would have rather gone supporting. But well, supporting is the one that makes sense for her, and based on yes. everything I've heard from the film, makes sense for that as well. It's um, a big supporting part. It's a fringe lead, I want to say, because like it's it's not her story, but she is a major, major component of it. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the proper comparison, because normally, I'm, I'm like a mother character is you know, very much seen through the eyes of Soli. And that's kind of the case here, but but she really is is given a lot of attention. It's not Belfast, where, like, the mother character is good, but also is almost entirely seen through the, the story that's being told. Sure. Uh, here, so here, in in lead, see if I missed anyone. You've got Michelle Williams, you got Kate Blanchett, you got Michelle, yeah, you got Olivia Coleman, Margot Robbie, Danielle Dedwire, Anna Diarmas, which, she's not going to win, but it's the one thing people can agree on about Blonde. And Netflix doesn't necessarily have anyone else in Actress to push. So that she's going to be in play. Both of the She Said women, Kazana Mulligan, Viola Davis. Um, movie's probably too small, but there's a really good Jennifer Lawrence performance in Causeway sitting there. Um, Naomi Aki in, in the uh, Whitney Houston biopic. Emma Thompson, if you recall, is now eligible with Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which... I think that movie kind of came and went, but she's very good in it. Um, Jessica Chastain's solid in The Good Nurse. Laura Dern got like, okay, marks out of the sun. And uh, Florence Pugh actually got better reviews for The Wonder. So like, there's a lot going on in Actress. Doesn't necessarily seem like the the most strategic play in terms of just trying to win. But that's not always the reason that uh, these things happen. Whereas in... Uh, supporting if you get past the women talking ladies like again i don't know who their prime focus is is it jesse buckley is it claire foy is it rooney mara does one of them go lead uh what of judith ivy also very sometimes getting the best the best uh reactions out of that film you have both of the women in the whale um you have Anne Hathaway in Armageddon Time. You have Gabrielle Union in the Inspe- Inspection. You have Gene Smart um, possibly uh, transitioning uh, Emmy to Oscar with Babylon. You have um, Patricia Clarkson and She Said, assuming both the other women go uh, go lead. You have two supporting contenders in Tar, sort of. I think they're a little, a little thin. Um, the aforementioned Margot Robbie, if she goes supporting for either uh, Amsterdam or Babylon... Vanessa Kirby is, is solid, apparently, in the sun. You have all the women in white noise. It's, But none of them scare you. You know, also, like, Dark Horse, Jamie Lee Curtis, and everything everywhere. That'd be but, cool. Yeah, but none of them, I think, if you were strategizing, you would rather take on that lot, I would imagine, right? Well, that's the thing. She goes supporting, like, at least from where we're sitting right now, it's borderline a done deal and especially because she's got the narrative she's been nominated so many times playing spielberg's mother all of that but lead i agree i think it's a much more competitive thing that said and going back to kayfley's question i am personally very much of the opinion that because we know as with the aforementioned uh, lakeith stanfield example the academy gonna do what the academy gonna do you know, yes. people can campaign a certain way, they can make requests, etc. 
they're going to vote how they're going to vote. And I think if the majority of people are going by what they see in the film as opposed to what a campaign thing told them to think, they're going to put her in supporting. So I think we could end up this whole conversation could end up being for naught just because I would not be shocked at all if they just put her in supporting regardless. Yeah, I I think it's never a safe bet to bet on that happening because it, it is still the exception as opposed to the rule. But sure, there is definitely a world where they want her and they want her to win and they put her in the category that they want. So we, we can definitely see there. By the way, I, I did look it up. Uh, the 21st for Banshees. Oh, okay. So the final week of uh, of October, we will have our continued conversation about that. Um, but yeah, and the second part of the of Kayfley's question was about um, the uh, the women talking trio, and and I I don't know that they can get a third in. That's just it's the the math is very tough. Two is two is hard enough, but you. I don't know. I, I, I don't see it happening. This is not the Emmys. But then again, I also... Yeah, the Emmys does that thing where like, okay, there's like, there's six nominees and they're from two different shows. Yeah. It's just all three and three or four and two. They don't do that. I mean, the closest thing that we could ha- see happen, and I, and I don't think it'll ultimately happen, would be two from Women Talking, two from The Whale. And then a, a fifth of, of some sort. And even that would be weird, I think. Even though I think I might have that currently predicted just to see what happens right now as a placeholder. So I would not bet on that happening, unfortunately. I mean, I haven't seen Women Talking. I'm very excited to. But everything I've heard about it is that um, as far as the standouts, it's Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley, the names that you keep hearing over and over again. So yeah, then, Judith, Jen, then Judith Ivey, then Rooney Mara. Um, it's going to be very hard slash interesting to see if they have a preference in terms of pushing it because that's hard to you know we have egos and things like that it's it's not quite as simple as just okay we're, we're pushing one yeah and, and pushing two or three or four equally is not always a great recipe but then again back to what miles said academy gonna do what's gonna do most of the push last year was for um katrina balf and uh, we all know who got nominated instead. Academy saw her and was like, she's good. But but that Judy Dench <laughs> saying go. We have to nominate her. Listen, she's good in that movie, too. But we know who's better of the two. Yeah. In terms of that, that, that film and performance wise. I, it's the only thing I'll, I'll say. But a lot of TBD there. So before we wrap up. I believe I hit everything except for the game, right? Yep. Just double check. Okay. <laughs> As opposed to having to have a 20-minute ending where we add a segment. All right. I have a game I want us to play where I guess I'll play too because um, I want you guys, the listeners slash readers, to uh, vote at the end of this. To tell us your favorite. We're each going to build an idealized Oscar player that we want to see. So we're not shamelessly making a Holocaust movie with Michelle Williams. You know, we're not just like feeding into the academy. We're making the example I gave I gave everyone earlier was like make your version of the departed. 
like a movie you just want to see and then because it's good it becomes an awards player um insert your other one like uh you know uh the codas of the world like things that are like maybe the oscars weren't the first thing bandied about when it was being made and uh hopefully it'll soar so we're gonna each be able to pick a director a writer an actor and an actress presumably your leads um one supporting player of of whatever gender you prefer um and a tech player whether you want a composer or a uh cinematographer an editor perhaps um visual effects if you have something on your mind and uh we'll present that package to you guys and we'll put a poll up on the site um as you're listening to this it'll be up and you can uh vote and tell us who you would prefer so um i will defer to third since it's my game um how would how should we decide who goes first you want to do a uh, random number situation? Sure. All right. I'm going to pull up a random number between one and one million. No. Um, let's mm. do between one and ten. Oh. Now I'm lost. Okay. I had seven. There's a number between one and three. ten. Yeah. What would you say? You said three? Sure. Three. Okay. Miles? Wait, between what and what? One and ten. <laughs> Alright, what's I'm gonna make this a Well, little, you said a million That's a B question. I didn't know if that was still in play. <laughs> actually I'm actually now is a million still in play? Let's see. How many zeros is a million? I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, if you have to ask, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Alright, between one and a million. Between one and a million. Uh five thousand three hundred and sixty nine. Oh, that's pretty low. Steve, five hundred. What did you? What did you say? Miles five thousand six. No. What was oh, I answer? don't even remember. Five thousand uh, six hundred something. Okay, I'm going to go five thousand three hundred and seventy nine. Bob. Wow, Steve wins. The actual number was three hundred thirteen thousand four hundred ninety nine. Oh, oh, <laughs> he prices righted you too. <laughs> so I. Will... I mean. You should have compared it to his three. That was his first answer. No, no, no. True. The funny part was your number was so low. He had over 900,000 options and he went like 10 over you. Incredible. It's a dick move. It's great. Yeah. Uh, All right. Steve. I do. um, Should we all do the same Category? category first? Yeah. Or should we just go in whatever order we want? Everyone starts with the same order? I'd say yeah, so, same, right? Same order. Same order. All right. So let's do director first, then actor and actress, then writer, then supporting player, then tech person. Okay. All right. Steve? All right. I'm going to go with Jordan Peele. Nice. Jordan Peele is directing Steve's movie. All right, Miles. Uh, I'm gonna go with You're not gonna jump me and take Kevin Smith, are you? No. Well, I was I was originally thinking I was gonna do the Coen Brothers, but then I'm like, well, they're not really working together right now. 
You're going to bring them back? You're going to reunite them for this? Yeah, yeah. This is the movie that brings them back together. Sold. Josh, you're going to do it? All right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. The Coens. And I probably should have thought this through before we started, but also you guys didn't, so that's only fair. I am going to do Joel Cohen. <laughs> Ava DuVernay. Oh. Okay. I thought Ethan Steve, Cohen. your actor. Who, actor? Oh. The funny part is I've long thought about, like, the next Jordan Peele movie because he tends to have, like, one returning player and a bunch of new people. So, like, what the permutations are. So, Steve's actually kind of doing that, in a way, if he chooses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't doing that. You still don't have to, but... Well, well I, I didn't know what we we're... I didn't know the game exactly, so... I had some ideas Steve's in confused. mind. confused. What a surprise. I'm not confused. Well, talk your ideas out. No, I didn't... I, I thought we would have more options I, I didn't realize we're picking one of each from each category so i mean you want to you want to do you want to do a lead actor a lead actress a supporting actor a supporting actress do it that way no let's just do what we're doing so i get to pick okay one lead yeah you pick an actor an actress and then a supporting player but do your actor okay actress. i don't care i'm gonna go dev fatel nice okay. miles um, Regina King. All right. Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Steve, your actress. I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. I'm going to go with uh, Circe Ronan. Is that how you pronounce it? Circe Ronan. Circe. Circe. Close. Um, so I guess actor. Uh, let me go with Matt Berry. Okay. Wow, Matt Berry, New York City. There's my city. There you go. <laughs> Cohen's are doing an episode of what we do in the shadows. This is what you're planning. I mean, it's sort of roundabout becoming that, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, my actress is going to be Viola Davis. Nice. Um, Steve, who's writing your Jordan Peele movie starring Dev Patel and Saoirse Ronan? Can I have a duo? Sure. All right. It's going to be Jordan Peele and Quentin Tarantino. Oh. I. Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. Writers, <laughs> not, 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 not an extra director. Oh, no, he's not directing. He's writing. They work in the screenplay, I, I, and they, I'm gonna. Miles made an ugh. Also, I think, I think we're screwing you on this one. <laughs> well, that's okay because my film's gonna be written by Sir Alfred Hitchcock. I don't see why no, that would no, be a problem. No, no, they have to be alive. <laughs> they have to be alive. All right, I'll go Quentin Tarantino, and I'm sure they will discuss, have other discussions over some beverages. During production. I think you I think you might be screwing yourself, and I'll tell you why. 
Well, you're having you have the highest profile to people. I think people are going to have trouble envisioning this movie, and they're going to think it's going to be a mess. Yeah, but I like. I mean, the movie I'm, I'm envisioning is uh, it's it's difficult. It's it's okay. uh, and that's I I mean I I would love to see those two work together. I I love. Sure, it's not up to me. Tarantino's dialogue, and I you know so. That's what he's saying is he doesn't like Jordan Peele scripts. You heard it first here. That's Producer Steve is uh, taking all right. the pen out Sorry, of Jordan Peele. Peele's hands. Step it up. All right. Miles, oh, who uh, among the living is writing your Coen Brothers movie? Uh, am I allowed to just say the Coen Brothers are writing the Coen Brothers movie? As they want. often do. Sure. If you want, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. If you That'll want to cop out. Choice. You could have said the Coen oh. Brothers and Quentin Tarantino, and I would have said yes, but oh well. Uh, maybe I don't think those are such a well-suited pair. Well, the, the voters will know. I should be a real dick and make my writer of my movie Jordan Peele. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's juggling the two projects. <laughs> no, but I'm going to... Since we're since we're we're kind of making this uh, a little more unique than normal, you know what my my Ava DuVernay prestige project because that's clearly what I've made is written by Charlie Kaufman. Ah, oh, oh, you son of a I bitch! I like it. It's because it's within the realm of plausibility, unlike Steve. What? All right, you're, Wait, you're why why is that? You really think Tarantino is 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 taking it for higher gig on the Jordan Peele joint? Maybe, Maybe now if he's only doing one more movie. Yeah. And Maybe. if Jordan if Jordan Peele invited him to to write his his feature, said here's my here's my concept, I want you to write it. Uh yeah, hell I yeah. I think he would totally I, do that. I could see I it. Think, I would love to see I it. Want, I I mean maybe. I also feel like the optics would not be great of Jordan Peele being like fellow uh, I mean I don't think he would writer. to be clear. Yeah. But I, in I, a, I, in a I, hypothetical I, world where I think Tarantino would say yes if it was offered to him. I just yes, don't know would that never Peele be offered. would do it. No, I think Peele would be like, I'm, I'm not having him write my movie for me. I'm going to write my movie. Um, okay, here's your clutch supporting player. Like the marrow of the movie. This is me? It, Yeah, you, you go first. In, in an uh, ideal world, this is your like best supporting actor, best supporting actress. Like I'm they going... steal the movie. Oh. I have two in mind, but I'm going to go with Kate Blanchett. Well, don't say both because someone else will take it. No, no, I Ooh, will not. I think Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Blanchett. All right. Miles, do you have a, uh, a Coen Brothers regular coming in, or are you bringing in someone new? Uh, maybe. No- well, he's worked with them a few times. I'm going J.K. Simmons. Oh, nice. That is one of the two people that I was thinking of. Wow. That's a, that's actually a very good one. Well, he's proven to be a clutch supporting player in quite a few films in the last few years. Yep. I'm going to take someone that I'm surprised you didn't take just because he really fits this more than almost anyone. John motherfucking Goodman. Nice. I mean, like, if I were to expand a... my cast, I would yeah, probably yeah. get to him. But if you were like... You could see him as a supporting player, like stealing a scene or two in literally any movie ever made. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's, there's no movie that you would cast and be like, yeah, I can't. I could see that. Like you could have put him as like a, a slaver in the woman king. He'd be like, yeah, he'll kill those two scenes. Like he yep. just he somehow is good in everything and like kind of fits in everything. 
All right, Steve, you're your tech person. And if you want, we can do two tech people if you if you feel strongly about having a, a slightly more completed film. Um I mean this is a tough one. I, I went with a composer. Okay. I'm just gonna go. Um I'm gonna go Trent Reznor. Rob Zombie. Trent Reznor. Nice. All right. So also you've picked Trent Reznor, not Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Well, he's going off on his own. No, uh, yeah, Trent Reznor, okay. no, no, no there you go. There you go. The duo. Sorry. Oh, 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 I see. Now you want it. Now you want to change. Okay. We'll give it to you. Miles, do you want to? Uh, are we just doing one or two? Let's do two. Oh, then Steve, so we're going to do, do round robin do... style. Oh, okay. We're going to do round robin style for this one. We'll snake it for the end. Uh, well, then I would like to have uh, Bruno Debonel, cinematographer, because he's already worked with them before and they do great stuff together. Interesting. Over Deacons. Yeah, I think at this stage in their career, Deacons and the Coens are just doing different things. Fair. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go a little bit off the uh, the beaten path, and I am going to um, first do an editor. I'm going to do Joe Walker. Okay. He made sense of Dune, so like that works for me. And then I will double back into um, my cinematographers and I am going to nominate Rachel Morrison. All right. Miles? Um, Composer, I got to go with Carter Burwell. He's done some of his best work with the Coens. All right. And Steve? Well, we dis- discussed his work today, and you discussed his name, or brought up his name, so I'm going to go Raji. Old Raji Deacons. All right. Now, should we complete, or should we do one more tech so we all have a composer, a cinematographer, and an editor? Well, I will have to do a little research in editors. All right. Well, then we'll, we'll let Miles do an editor first. Because you're down an editor. Oh, I, lo- I love that you think I've got an editor ready to go. I love that you think that for me. <laughs> uh, I am going to go with uh, Lee Smith. He's uh, Nolan's regular. The funny part is you could have just gone with the Coens. Don't they edit their own films? Oh, oh yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm going with the Coens. What am I thinking? Wait, do they? Or am I an idiot? Does, no, they do. Up? They, uh, they okay. won an Oscar for their fake pseudonym. Oh, yeah. What's his name? I got to give it to the... Yeah, because uh, also the, um, Soderbergh does this, too. Yes. Um, oh, what's it? Um, Roderick James. Roderick James. Thank you. Yes, Roderick James will edit my movie. Yeah. Steve, do you have one or do you need a minute? Uh, I still need a minute. Yeah. Why don't you look up like recent winners? And my composer, you know what? Shameless Oscar bait, John Williams. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Well, John Williams doing Ava DuVernay—that'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a kind of odd mix there. I'm, really, I'm surprised by well, the reaction. When we finish. I want. 
to my uh when we finish we're gonna we're gonna because i i see three very different paths here no we have to have a story as well i mean if you want otherwise people can imagine you just have to imagine the fire (laughs) i kind of like that do you want me to give you a couple of uh options yeah tell me give me some names and, and what they've what they've edited um here so recent uh Recent winners, obviously Joe Walker was the, re- the last one, and you can't have him. He's already off the board. Um, other people, you could have the editor, uh, Michael E.G. Nielsen of Sound of Metal. Um, Hank Corwin edits uh, a number of comedies. Um, you could have... I mean, there's another one. You have John Ottman, who didn't direct Bohemian Rhapsody. Um you could have the aforementioned Lee Smith. You can have um, Tom Cross, who does the uh, Damien Chazelle movies. You can have Nat Sanders and Joy McMillan, who do the... Um, uh, uh, God, I'm, I'm spacing on his movie. Um, Barry Jenkins. You can have William Goldenberg. Right. I am ready. Michelle Tessero. Who, who okay. edited The Queen's Gambit. I spoke with her. Oh, okay. I, I thought she was, I mean, I thought her work was really impressive and I loved uh, what she had to say about it. And I think, uh, nice. I think she'd be a good I left, uh, I left out the, the biggest one of all because she really only works with Scorsese. I left out Thelma. <laughs> it just wouldn't make sense. It would actually, it wouldn't help Steve. It would, like, what I think is, I do think there are going to be people who vote on, like, what makes the most sense. And like, there's a there's a world in which Miles runs away with this because his movie kind of fits. Like it's a Coen Brothers movie. He just made a Coen Brothers movie. Yep. When they when they hit when they hit. Yeah. Like it's it's whatever you imagine a Coen Brothers movie to be. Um, Steve has a a Jordan Peele movie with a Tarantino script. It's go big or go home. There. Well, I, I did want them to co-write it, but. That was nixed. No, no, no. That was. Yeah, it, that was. It, I mean, it, it was magic. You could have him. You could have had him write his own movie, or you could have a writer. You can't have both. Oh, well. And mine is mine. Lean more into the uh, like prestige film. Like if you imagine an Oscar movie, this is more the experiment of like, is that what people want to want to hear us build? You know, what do you imagine if you imagine like, you know opening on december 31st at midnight eleven fifty nine, just to be eligible after like playing as unfinished an afi or something like that also i, I feel like ava duvernay could get jake gyllenhaal an oscar i could see it and, and it's also kind of stunning that she hasn't worked with viola davis like that that almost is obvious the john I, goodman of all is like john goodman makes everything better and charlie kaufman who the hell knows what's going on there? If you look at my lineup, my promotional, you know, my promotion, promotional tour, or whatever you'd like to call it, uh-huh. is A+. Plus. Tarantino, Peel, Blanchette, Ronan, Patel. Like, who doesn't want to hear them speak? Talking to Jimmy Fallon. 25 minutes about, the you know, their favorite lunch meat, and then 30 seconds about the film. Do you really think that putting them on Fallon is how you want to sell this to people? <laughs> I, I, I'm taking on everything. 
they, everyone's on all the shows. That's fair. I'm not saying, saying it wins any votes, but you know, I think any kind My, of exposure Miles is, is when Miles' people do no press. Yeah, yep. exactly. They don't need to. The Coen brothers sell their own movies. There you go. <laughs> they do the New York Film Festival. That's yeah. it. Well, yeah. I mean, J.K. Simmons gets a scenery-chewing role. It's Mac Berry's big dramatic breakout, but he's still funny. Regina King's sturdy lead. You get everything you need. All right. I like it. Um, I will include these in the uh, in the podcast write-up so people kind of know what we're talking about. That probably is a smart idea, right? I would say so. Yeah. Please, right. next to my editor, put the editor of The Queen's Gambit so people... I'm not telling people. No, no. This is like the academy. You don't get. You don't get to know information. You vote. Um, Then let me take them out. Let me take the voters out for a lunch and uh, have a nice discussion. Leave them with a a goodie bag. Well, you heard that. Steve is available to buy you lunch. (laughs) Reach out to him directly. Your vote can be bought. (laughs) That's what I'm hoping for. I don't need to buy votes. Listen. I haven't needed to. I haven't needed to describe much or offer bribes. I'm straight up telling you guys that the quality of my work will speak for itself because I have put together the next great Oscar film. We shall see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So wrap up by saying where you can be followed. Do all that, and you know what? Give your film a title. (laughs) all right uh well you can find me on both twitter and letterboxd at miles on film that's m-y-l-e-s on film please check out my short films american exorcist and the other one on youtube yeah that's the one too fang too furious too fang too furious once upon a dracula you, uh, you can find that on YouTube under Chase Capo. American Exorcist you can find under Aftershock Pictures. Uh, check out my writing for Ward's Radar and Looper. Title of my film. Let's go with Road to Limbo. Oof. All right, Steve, you're up. Uh, <clears throat> let me clear my throat for this one. Academy, I want to thank you. No. Um, you can find me on Letterboxd. And Twitter, add Film Stork. Um, you can also listen to The Verse, which you can find on Awards Radar every week where we cover all the cinematic universes from Star Trek, Star Wars, DC, Marvel. What's the newest one we're covering? Oh, Lord of the Rings. It's it's all on there. Uh, got got Beef, we cover got, uh, we got cover Game of Thrones. So check it out uh, at The Verse. Oh, I thought Got Beef on- was like some sort of thing. I was like, are you covering porn? No, Got Beef is our uh, Game of Thrones beef episode where we ah. spoke about – they all love Game of Thrones, but they uh, were very disappointed in the last season and a half or maybe a little bit more. So it was a uh, kind of letting out their uh, letting out their, their, their stress and their distaste and everything else that the, the season – the final seasons uh, – cast upon them so check those all out they're a lot more fun than uh, my description um what else well i'll tell oh. you already that sounds like something i can relate to oh check it out it's a great episode it really is i think it's episode 26 if i recall it is it's one of my favorites i, I and i do not i do not partake on the 
on the episodes I just produce, and uh, I wanted to jump in so many times to to give my two cents. But it's uh, it, what's great about it is they do know their stuff. They read the books, they watch, they they know everything about these things, but they discuss it in a way that is uh, really, I think, quite uh, accessible. And if you haven't, if you have watched a lot of the stuff, you'll get a kick out of it, and you'll enjoy revisiting it. If you haven't, I think it's a it's a good stepping on point to help you to break down some of the things that you would find in the series and wonder. Like I always always confused. I'm sorry, going a tangent, but I was always wondered confused by comic books. Like where do you jump in? How do you know the history? And this is kind of like that for it's like your intro to different series and different uh, cinematic universes. So check it out. Uh, and you know what this sounds like to me? Mm. Sounds like a guy who's not confident in his title. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not, that's not the truth. I've got a title. And it's it's a hell of a title. It's called The Karens. The Karens? The Karens. With a K. So Steve has lost the vote of every reader and listener named Karen. Hey, all 4% of them. Or, or all four of them, them, I mean... Yeah, it's it's the Karens. It's it says a lot. Look at the cast. I mean, cinematographer. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. Very nice. You can find me at Joey Maggots on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, probably other things. Awards radars on several things. Oddly, Facebook's weird about like tagging people and things now, but whatever. Oh really? Um. Yeah, like if you if you do the like the link thing, it doesn't want to like link people anymore. Maybe it's a it's a temporary me problem. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, and my title in in keeping with my like probably making some form of a, a tearjerker, I'll go with the uh, awards baity word salad of the last goodbye. Oh, so generic. I love it. Wait, wait, the yeah. last goodbye? That could be anything. <laughs> it could be anything. Hmm. Insert your movie. Whatever movie you think it is, it is, and better. Just not better than the Karens. The Karens are always I mean, right. There you go. That's how you know how to vote. Vote with the Karens. They're never wrong. Oh. Until the trial. I was about to say, that's a loaded, loaded question there. Um, yes, we will be back next week with um, talking about Trick or Treat. So we have homework. There's homework to be done. Um, we will be talking about, as he checks to see if there's anything coming out this weekend that's meant to be cared about. Um, well, Miles will not be seeing Amsterdam, I suspect. No. Well, also, it does not, not come out till uh, the October 7th. Oh, that, oh yeah, it's not, it's the week after. It's the week after. So it's two weeks until you don't see it and don't talk about it. Exactly. So mark your calendars. Yeah. Next week we might be talking about bros if either of you see it, which I do recommend. It's quite good. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be seeing that. Kelly really wants to. Nice. Um, and then in two weeks when you don't see Amsterdam, you're hopefully seeing Tar. If it oh, is I want to yeah. see that. Very well, excited. Steve will at least have seen it. Um, and hopefully. you know what we won't be seeing? The next Star Trek movie because... Taken off the calendar. What? Yeah, the, the uh, untitled Star Trek sequel number four that doesn't have a director. They they are no longer uh, dating it for next year, considering uh. it's not ready to go. 
Uh, and as we uh, head into October wah, wah. and spooky season, uh, Miles, you want to direct Blade because they need someone. Oh my gosh, yo Marvel! Anyone at Marvel listening to this, I will totally direct your Blade movie. I do a terrible job, but I'll do it. I was about to say, mind. you know what? See, this, the funny part is, I wouldn't even say I would do a terrible job. I'll do a completely mediocre job because I'll listen to everything you want me to do. I'll be your complete chill because that's really what you want anyway. Yeah. If you want a guy to say action, I guess, and like nod your head at a few costume choices, I'm your man. If you Don't want a really say great that loudly, go ahead. Because you know what you just did, Miles. You're not going to get the job, but you know who you just got hired. Hmm. Blade, directed by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> and you oh, know what? Because you didn't even say say any words. You said like. That has Action so many layers to it. <laughs> oh, God. Mm-hmm. All right. Ugh. I got to be home for the pudding, so uh, do the do the blood sucky thing. Action. Sign it sounds like the, the worst movie anyone could ever make. You don't want to see Tom Stern light a Marvel movie? Nah, I'm straight. <laughs> all right. We'll be back next week. Thank you all for listening in spite of this. We will uh, see you at the scary movies. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.